The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering with 28 offices along the Gulf Coast. The folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numeric modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. And now they have a brand new coastal resiliency department headed up by our very own Peter Ravella. Check them out at lja.com. We are also brought to you by Coastal Transplants. Coastal Transplants prides itself on offering specific environmental and horticultural expertise with practical firsthand knowledge of all aspects of coastal revegetation projects. Their high quality native and wetland plants, extensive agricultural and horticultural experience, along with their skilled and respectful crews, make Coastal Transplants your one-stop solution for restoring coastal ecology of your barrier island community. Learn more at CoastalTransplants.com. And we are brought to you by the Dune Science Group. Did you know that fiberglass is one of the strongest and most durable building materials in the world? That it is resistant to deterioration caused by UV light and salt water? Well, the Dune Science Group does. They offer a full slate of solutions for dune walkovers and boardwalks that are made of fiberglass and built to last. They can handle your dune walkover project from beginning to end, including permitting, design, and construction of the strongest and most durable dune walkover on the market. Learn more at the dunesciencegroup.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the American Shoreline Podcast. This is Peter Ravella, co-host of the show. And this is Tyler Buckingham, the other co-host. We're in Charleston, South Carolina, Social Coast Forum 2020, again joined by our new co-host and soon-to-be host of a show on ASPN, Bill O'Byrne. Glad to be back. And uh, we are talking today with one of the key organizers of this great event, and I will say great event. It's not over yet. There's more good things to come. Ginger Hinchcliffe is the Chief of Learning Services at the Office for Coastal Management, and that is a division at, the, uh, at NOAA, a, uh, and a, uh, OCM is the supporting sponsor of the Social Coast Forum 2020. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Ginger, and thanks for taking time out of your very busy day. Thank you. Well, I think uh, what we wanted to learn more about, Ginger, is, uh, is to talk about this conference um, as one of the principals who's helped put this together and been behind the scenes making sure it all runs very sh- uh, smoothly. How's it going so far? I'm really excited about what's being presented here. I feel like we started off with a great plenary. Um, the undercurrents have really been talking a lot about how to get everybody at the table, um, justice, equality, um, a lot of good information, a lot about engagement. The presentations I've seen have been absolutely great. In fact, my favorite one was actually done by an undergraduate um, student who had worked up at Ketchumac Bay, and she was just doing some great innovative work, and that's what it's all about, is hearing how the coastal management is working with the people who live, play, work on the coast you know i have got to ask you because this is this is our first time at the social coast forum and i but i understand that this is the fifth uh social coast forum to happen to convene and i've just got to ask what i mean first of all it, it has been so impressive to uh see people and hear people and just be, commune with people who are interested in uh, the social aspects of coastal management, it truly is the other side of the coin and 
man, we're having a great time covering it and learning from everyone here. But uh, I am interested in your perspective. Uh, tell us about what trends you have seen at this gathering over the past, now, now into five years. What's changed? It's interesting. Um, I was absolutely surprised at the plenary when I asked people how many people have never been to a Social Coast Forum. About two-thirds raised their hand. I saw that. I saw and that. We raised our hands. I was, I was, I was one of them. I was welcome. very surprised and I was, by that, too. Duly I was, noted. <laughs> and you all are welcome. Um, and so there has been sort of, a, I guess, different themes that have played out over the years. Um, the first one was particularly exciting because I feel like everyone who was here had this, like, big aha and sort of this feeling that they had found their tribe. Um as social scientists, as engagement specialists, very often they're working by themselves with physical scientists, with engineers, with biological scientists. And so this was an opportunity to all get together and sort of tell our stories and um, talk about the lessons we've learned and present what their findings were when they're doing research. And this is really about applied social science. It's not an academic um, exercise. So we're talking specifically about how it works in the reality. And so over the years, we have gone from, I would say there's been a, a steady stream of engagement the entire time. And then different sort of topics crop up. Adaptation, very heavily talked about this year. 10 years ago, we were not talking climate adaptation. We were starting to talk about climate, but we weren't really talking about adaptation. And if we were talking about adaptation, we were talking it more in terms of sometimes housing as opposed to environmental justice, which is a more recent sort of topic that's come up. This year, our plenary dealt with health and how it's so important to broaden the um, tent, if you will, of partners and people working together. Yeah, Ginger, this is, uh, you know, I see this as a, an evolution of coastal management of, of, of what had been, quote unquote, thought to be a comprehensive program of really reaching out and getting all those disciplines that um, uh, really are important to making coastal management work. Uh, and I just had a question. Is there, if you could look into the future, is there anybody that isn't here today? Is there any type of profession or discipline that may be here, that maybe you want to be here in 2022? So that's a great question. I would say that, I mean, this is really, the idea behind it is that we integrate all the sciences. This conference itself is really a celebration of the social sciences. And when we think of social sciences, it's the same as saying like a biological science. There's so many sciences. It's the anthropologists, but it's also sometimes the policymakers people include education it's a very broad swath so right now we do have a lot of engagement specialist type folks um, that come from a number of different backgrounds um, but I think the economists have really come through I would say in the last few years particularly we're getting more and more economists here and again it's the applied stuff in terms of who we don't have here there's a whole group of people we don't have and you know the health social, like the classic social workers um, from health we're just starting to sort of maybe touch on. But one of the big things I think in the next few years we may get are 
community members and activists that are working with communities. And this is sort of assuming that climate issues continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And I think some of those community organizers may be coming in the future. Well, and, and just to follow up on that real quick, like I, I was thinking, it, do you have behavioral psychologists already here? And that's what I, okay. Yeah, we definitely have behavioral psych psychologists um, here um, for sure. And uh, I think that that broad uh, spectrum of disciplines in the social sciences, it, uh, I've got to say I've come to appreciate it in the couple of days of being around and speaking to the attendees here. Um, and for all the engineers out there, because we have a lot of engineers in the audience who are involved in hydrodynamic modeling and planning and permitting of coastal response projects, um, I am absolutely convinced of the necessity and the essentialness of, of embedding these projects in the community conversation and dialogue. And for all the engineers out there, I know that you have stood in front of a city council and tried to explain why this permit is necessary or why this project is designed a particular way. And it is the skill set of how to communicate what you do and why you do it in the, in the, in the public arena, whether that is in the neighborhoods or in the activist community or the faith-based community or in our elected officials uh, this is a gathering of people who think a whole lot about how to do that right with complex data and science. So I really am just like, I can't see how we can do without this. It's, I've just become a believer. Yeah, I became a believer, I don't know how many years ago, but I started off in the biological sciences, and my goal was to protect some coastlines. And so... I don't feel like I've ever wavered from my goal, but I have gone through a number of disciplines to try to reach it. And so I started off in biological, went to education, and then after education, I'm an inpatient person, so it's hard to wait until people grow up. <laughs> so I had to then do education for adults, and that led, of course, to the social sciences and really understanding people's behaviors, why they behave, how they value things. And I think that my next step, of course, is combining all of those, right, plus the engineers, plus the biological, and getting them all together for that convening piece, because that's the power. No doubt about it. And that is the dream, is to get everyone in the pool, you know, all together, all communicating, all being able to speak the common language of uh, coastlines and, and the land-water interface, which is so... Uh, so dynamic and so complicated. But Peter, what you were saying earlier that really resonated with me is that what I think we're learning here is that it's not, it's not just the ability for a project sponsor or an engineer uh, to get up in front of the city council and present their project and answer questions as to why and where. It's that in order to even get there, the foundation, if you're an engineer, the footer... <laughs> of the thing is rooted in the community itself. And um, we've said, I don't know how many times we've quoted the keynote uh, on the pod over the past couple of days, but coastal management is people management. That is a very much a true statement. And what it, what it does and what it decodes is that uh, our expectations and our understanding and values of the space will be how we manage it. It, it. In fact, it is how we manage it. You can just hold a mirror up 
and say, look at a shoreline and it, it, how that shoreline is managed is a is a reflection on the community. And what I think we're seeing with with and we're talking about kind of over the past 10 years of this uh, convening of social scientists and this particular Social Coast Forum event is that we are seeing that with uh, the focus on climate change. I mean, here's what's fascinating is how much we, we, we when we're with this group of people, we talk about climate change. So, all the time. All the time. So casually. I don't, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about possibly ticking someone off, about offending someone. We are there. We're there here. Yeah. And we have the luxury, Peter, of traveling around and going from, you know, this community to other communities. And it's not. But what's clear is in this community, the 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 specter of the change is motivating these people that think about these people, people that are concerned with uh, our, our society's ability to organize and create a management solution uh, on the shoreline that is that reflects our values that they understand that boy we've got a lot of work to do and man yeah. i <clears throat> i have to say that the dream is to get everyone uh, together because we need we need everyone's participation everyone's perspective and man yeah. it's just a great this is Does that sound right to you that i think that was a good summary for me it did sound right i think the important pieces that you mentioned are it has to reflect people's values, right? We think all the time that people make decisions based on science, and sometimes we say, oh, okay, money. But if you think about how you make your decisions, it's based on your values and what your beliefs are and what you hold near and dear, maybe at the moment, but also in the long term. So if we feel like science is gonna be the answer, it's only when that science also incorporates people's values, which is a science, called social science. Mm -hmm. So we have to, when we start pairing those together, I think you're right on. Fantastic. Um, so it, this is the fifth one, as you said, and I know it's, the, it's every other year, so it truly has been 10 years. And I loved the subject matter evolution that you laid out and, and how it has evolved. Looking ahead at this thing, is it going to continue, first of all? Is OC, OCM going to continue to, the, this effort? And do you have any thoughts or what you're, th I hate to say this, what about next year? How does it, or the year after, what about 2022? What's on, the, what's on your mind about it? So one of the fun things about this conference is that we do keep it relatively small. We have basically sold out all five years. And one of the reasons we keep it small is because we also like to experiment, do fun things. So when we come, we make up session ways to bring people together. We used to have facilitated sessions um, that people were drawing and writing on these walls. We took that out. The last two years we've had the storytelling, and this is the story no one tells because they're epic failures. And so I always volunteer to moderate that session because I think we can learn a lot from our failures. And I, I love that. Yeah, and I prefer to learn from others' failures myself, but <laughs> just saying, <laughs> vicarious learning. Um, but we can also play. So we had like a very innovative um, actor troupe here the first night. And because we keep it small, because it's every other year, we can really look to new ideas coming in. Um, we can play with things. We can change things up. 
it's it's a great conference because of that. Um, it's a little unlike most conferences. So, Ginger, um, I know that talking about uh, federal offices is is could be boring, but but I just did want to touch on one thing that uh, the word you used innovative, and and it seems that that OCM, the Office for Coastal Management, is really kind of wedded to looking at those kind of innovative ways to move coastal management forward. It, would you like to talk a little bit about that, or? As much as you think might well, be interesting to our the, letter. Well, you put her on <laughs> no. the spot. So. No, I know. no. But would you agree with that? that, that but I'm curious that about innovation. that too, Ginger. So hmm. I think that innovation has been a core value for the Office for Coastal Management for many, many years. And that takes a number of different forms. First, it allows us to do some work and some um, – that pushes the envelope of sometimes even federal offices. And sometimes that looks like – convening odd groups together. Sometimes it looks like pulling dispersed data sets together, creating tools, um, you know, pushing the envelope on what we could do. But a lot of times what it means is actually partnering with people on the ground that are doing um, really good work and figuring out a way that we can complement them, pull them in, you know, add value and sort of bring them to other partners. And so that convening piece, again, really helps with our innovation. Well, for all the local government officials out there, and I think a lot of coastal communities know this because of the work that uh, NOAA has done over the years, but the services available, the support available, the expertise available in the National Ocean Service and in OCM and the other divisions uh, within NOAA are, are, I think, not fully appreciated. It is a boatload of skill and talent and expertise that's available to coastal communities. So for all those planning directors out there and city council members, if you're newly elected, if you retire down to Florida and you find yourself on the city council and someone says sediment transport, and you're like, what the hell is that? Well, there's a whole universe of people who can help you learn. And I think uh, I'm putting in a plug for you guys. I think OCAB and Noah and the rest of the team there really does have a lot to offer. So I'll just follow that up with, if you are a local official, we have a very strong partnership with NACO, which is, of course, the National Association for Counties. We also have a very strong relationship with APA, the American Planning Association. Well, we could go on. It's the Nature Conservancy, Urban Land Institute, um, ASFPM, the Association for Floodplain Managers. So those are some of the groups that we try not only to work with, but to bring together because this climate and this coastal resiliency is just incredibly important. So we all have to work together. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Ginger Hinchcliffe, who is the Chief of Learning Services and, a, and with the Office of Coastal, for Coastal Management and a supporting sponsor of Social Coast 2020, Ginger. Thanks for dripping in. I know you're busy running this damn thing, so I really appreciate every time I go by, you're working over at the desk. But thank you for dropping in and sharing your thoughts on this great conference, and thank you also for having us here. Well, thank you. I really appreciate y'all being here and extending the conference a little bit broader. Thank yeah. you. Spun right around and found that Things that I couldn't move The beaches they sell to build their hotel